Well, again, uh, welcome everyone. Let me just first say again, my name is Zach. I'm the youth pastor here. Um, welcome again to everyone who's here in-house for Adventure Studio. This is our last Adventure Studio, so it's really cool to see you guys. Because next week, if next Sunday, if you're watching this right now, as long as everything goes according to plan, next week we are going to be having the opportunity. Let's just give a round of applause for doing services here next Sunday. Um, and also, don't forget that uh, we are so blessed right now to have the opportunity to do live streaming. So if you don't, uh, if you're not able to come join us in person, of course, do whatever works best for your family because you can also stream our services online. So we are super, super excited about that. Um, well, I'm excited to be hanging out with you guys again here um, today. So I want us to have a little fun right now. Um, I want us to start with, let's just kind of a, let's just have a fun hypothetical, right? Let's say in this hypothetical um, that God approaches you and God says, you know what? I'm going to give you whatever you want. Just I'm, ask me one thing and I will give you whatever it is, this one thing you ask of me, okay? What would that one thing be you would ask him? Think about it for a second. Someone maybe just have a little fun right now. Just say, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Yell it out. And if you're watching, definitely put it in the chat. But what would you guys say? Someone just give me one answer. Yell it out. Okay, who's with me? Just be honest. Who would say, world peace, there you go. That's a good one. That, it makes me feel really bad what I'm about to say. Who would say, like, I just want my dream bot, okay? You know what? No calorie intake, you know, you know, whatever happened, just have it, right? Who would want that? That would mean goodbye, home workouts. Hello, Taco Bell, right? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? But maybe some of you guys, as you're thinking that, uh, maybe you might think, you know, I, I would want just a financial peace. Right? Financial security for my family, maybe for my family for generations to come. Maybe some of us would be thinking, man, I want, I want uh, maybe just better health. I want world peace. You, you get the idea, right? You kind of, what would be that one thing that you would ask God for? And uh, it, it, it's crazy that actually one person in real life actually like did get this opportunity. Um, his name was King Solomon. He was the son of King David, um, who was the king of Jerusalem, we read about in the Old Testament. And he was now about to be king over Jerusalem. And God approached him in a dream and said, I am going to give you, ask me whatever you want, ask me for one thing and I will give it to you. And that one thing that Solomon asked for was wisdom. It was wisdom. Now, why would Solomon ask for wisdom and not for his dream body, right? Why would we not his dream body, right? What's it with wisdom? You know, we're going to be talking about wisdom today. Um, and really, you know, what, what, what is wisdom, right? What does it really mean to ask God for wisdom? And maybe even on top of that, what does God actually give you when you ask for wisdom, right? Why should you care so much today um, to want to know about wisdom? Why should you care so much today to even want to ask God why I need wisdom above everything else? Uh, let me just give you a, a few examples and maybe situations that you're going through right now in your life to show you maybe why you actually should really be asking God for some wisdom. Um, let's just take this for example, right? How many of you guys are parents? If you're a parent in here, uh, I mean, just kind of since the whole COVID outbreak, um, maybe you're wondering right now, just for all the reasons of what's going on, man, should I be putting my kids back in school right now? How is that going to go? Maybe you're just kind of wondering that. Let me tell you right now, that sounds like you need some wisdom. You know, with everything going on right now, and as you're, as you're thinking about our leaders, right, our leaders make a lot of decisions that affect a lot of our lives, and you're thinking about our state leaders, our, our uh, city leaders, our, st- our leaders at the legislative le- level, and you're going, uh, what, what role should I play in who I vote into office? That sounds like you need some wisdom. I mean, even just think right now, maybe you're at a place in life where you're wondering, you know, should I 
put a ring on it? Should I marry her? Maybe you're wondering, should I keep dating him? Uh, maybe you're wondering, should I accept this job? Maybe you're wondering, man, is this God's calling for my life? Am I making the right decisions? That sounds like you need some wisdom. So what does it really mean to ask God for wisdom? And like I said, even more importantly, what does God actually give you when you ask for wisdom? So we're going to be finishing James chapter 3 today. If you didn't hear the first part of chapter 3, I encourage you, the blessing of what we can do now is you can go back and check out any of these messages um, that we've been going through through James. But we're going to finish the last um, part of chapter 3. And before we jump into this and before we kind of unpack what James is going to teach us here, um, especially on wisdom, I wanted to share, with, share this with you and kind of set this idea up because I think it's really going to help us kind of understand exactly what James is talking about here. Because um, if you go on YouTube, anyone have YouTube? Who goes on YouTube all the time? I do. If you go on YouTube right now and you type in wisdom, what are you going to get? You're going to get all kinds of results of people trying to tell you all kinds of things about their wisdom, right? And the actual dictionary definition of wisdom is this. It says the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. That sounds pretty good, right? And maybe when you think about wisdom, maybe you think about um, a parent or a grandparent or um, someone like that who's lived a lot of life and you're going, man, they have a lot of wisdom to share with me and that's true. And I even like a lot of people try to explain wisdom this way. They say, um, you know, wisdom is kind of not just the accumulating of a bunch of knowledge, but it's how to actually apply that knowledge. But I really like the way um, this one theologian kind of explains um, wisdom for us. He says, the way, I'm going to kind of paraphrase for us, but the way he kind of explains wisdom for us, especially God's wisdom, um, he says a lot of people think getting God's wisdom is a kind of like a way to like get all the answers, right? It's kind of a way to kind of see behind the scenes. It's kind of a way to know exactly why God does the things he does, why God uh, is doing the things in your life. And you get to kind of like know it all, like if God gives you his wisdom. But rather than that, he says, applying God's wisdom, he says it's kind of like more like uh, knowing how to drive a car. He says, when you're driving a car, I mean, you don't question the road you're driving on, right? You don't question why there's an S-curve here or question why there's a street light here, maybe not a street light there, right? A good driver knows how to drive safely, right? They know how to react if, like, someone stops in front of them. They know how to react if they see a bump in the road or a pothole in the road, right? They know how to safely stop when they see a red light, and they know how to safely go when they have a green light. He says, God's wisdom is like that. It leads you to making the right choices on the road that you're on. So we're going to learn here today that James is going to say there's two types of wisdom, right? There's the world's wisdom, which leads to selfishness, and there's God's wisdom that leads to selflessness. And again, James is going to be kind of alluding here to kind of this ultimate like spiritual dualism that we all live in. And here's kind of a cool little example for us to see this because James is going to be, again, he's kind of alluding to this in his whole letter. Because right now, in the world that we are living in, there, there's essentially two kingdoms at, at work here. And every single one of us are either a part of one of these two kingdoms. Right? Jesus says Satan has, kingdom, or Satan has dominion. He even calls it a kingdom. Right now, Satan's kingdom exists here on earth. It's why there's sin. It's why everything is just so messed up. Uh, it's because Satan's kingdom is here. And do not get this misunderstood. Satan has been defeated by Jesus. And if you are in Christ, Satan has no power over you. But he hasn't quite yet fully been abolished yet from this earth. And right now, um, at the same time, God's kingdom is here. Right? And the way God's kingdom is established, if you have put your faith in Jesus, his spirit is then put inside of you. And the bringing together of God's church, which is the bringing together of God's people, is here. And so if you have put your faith in Jesus, we're right here in the middle, coexisting between these two kingdoms that exist in this earth. 
And reason that's important to understand, because as we go through this life and as we try to hear about wisdom and as we try to learn, okay, how am I applying wisdom to my life? You, James is going to lay it out for us today. That when you apply wisdom to your life, it is either coming from Satan's kingdom that is going to lead to selfishness, or you are either applying God's wisdom that is going to lead to selflessness. So let me pray, and let's jump into these verses. Does that sound good? All right, pray with me. Father, I just ask, Lord, um, as we learn about what it is that your wisdom is, God, I pray that you just give us an understanding today to know exactly um, why we should seek your wisdom out so desperately and to really understand what it is you give us, Father, when you give us wisdom. So, Lord, I pray you speak to all of us who are watching this, who are here, Lord. Um, Lord, I just ask that your spirit speaks again today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so as James begins to open up this topic of wisdom, if you want to follow along, um, here's kind of how he starts it off for us. He says this in verse 13. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Right? James is saying here that God's wisdom leads to deeds done in humility. I mean, this again kind of goes along with James' whole theme for the letter. He's going, look, let's not just talk the talk. We're meant to walk the walk. You remember in the last chapter, you said, look, even the demons believe. You can believe in Jesus, but that doesn't mean that you know him personally. That doesn't mean that you follow him closely, which is why it's so scary. Jesus says on that day, on that final day, he's going to say, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Do we not cast out demons in your name? Do we not do many miracles in your name? And what does he say? He says, I'm going to tell them plainly, I never knew you. Right? Remember last week we said simply a lemon tree can't claim to be a lemon tree if the only fruit it produces is apples, meaning that the fruit of your heart will, or the fruit of your life will reveal your heart. This is what we have to understand. The most important thing that God is after is your heart. And let me just say this right now, because um, if you didn't know this, if you missed it, I mean, James is writing this letter to believers. I mean, that James is writing this letter to people who are, um, who are Christians, right, who have put their faith in Jesus. So if you haven't yet made the decision to make Jesus Lord of your life, or if you're a new Christian, you read this and you go, deeds done in, or you go, you go deeds that are done in humility. Okay, deeds, that means I got to work for it. But let me just say this right now, because you have to understand who James is writing to, believers. We as believers know that our faith, or that our, that our salvation only comes through our faith in Jesus. Paul says this in Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not, the doing, it is not by your own doing, it is the gift of God. Listen, we are eternally saved only by our faith in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross. Let me just say this right now, because this is really important. I'm going to say it twice. That we as Christians, everything we do, the way we live our life, our deeds, our good deeds, are a response to love, not a validation for love. If you want to write that down, this is so important, that our faith, everything we do, everything we do with our life, with our words and with our action, are a response to love, not a validation for love. Right? We love God because he has already loved us. This is why James says in this whole letter, he goes, look, let's not just tell the world about how much God loves us. Let's not just tell the world about how God has changed us. Let us show the world how much God loves us by the way we love each other. Let us show the world how much God has changed us by the way we love others. But as we're going to read right now, James is going, look, we can't do that if our heart is not in the right place. So here's what he talks about um, as worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom, he says this in these next few verses. 
It says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, and there it is again, in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, that comes from God. It is earthly, it is natural, it is demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Again, James has given us a heart check. He's given us a self check. Listen, if you've never heard this before, maybe you need to be reminded, Satan's goal, his goal isn't that you worship him, that you, know, you join a cult, join the Illuminati, it's none of that. His only goal is that you actually begin to start worshiping yourself. That you make yourself the center of your universe. That you do whatever makes you happy. You rely only on yourself. You're to do, you know, lean only on your own wisdom. Lean only on your own understanding of life. Do only good deeds so it makes you look like a good person. But listen, what I want to share with us the rest of our time together is that Jesus has something so much better for us. And guess what? It is so easily attainable. So let's look right now at what James says is actually God's wisdom. Here's what he says in verse 17. So God's wisdom. He says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. See, when you put your faith in Jesus and you seek Jesus with everything you have and you begin to ask God for his wisdom, these characteristics start to become your character. And when you receive God's wisdom, the ultimate benefit is not for yourself. When you receive God's wisdom, it is meant to benefit others who are around you. This is why James said again, remember in verse 13, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life and deeds done in humility. Where does that come from? From wisdom. Listen, receiving God's wisdom is going to help you grow to love others and to be a blessing to others. And so let me show us this last verse, and here's how James kind of caps off this section, and um, this is going to be kind of where we're going to end today. He says this in verse 18. He says, and the seeds whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let me just ask right now, um, is anyone a little confused by that verse, or was it just me the first time I read it? I need to know I'm not the only one. Is that a little confusing? You're like, huh? Like, wait, that sounds a, let me read it one more time. The seed, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace peace. Um, right, let me, let me read this quote, and this, this is going to help us kind of understand it. Let me break this down a little bit for us. David Nystrom, he says this. He says, when James encourages his readers to be peacemakers who sow in peace and who raise a harvest of righteousness, it is this complex idea of shalom to which he refers. Everyone right now say shalom. Shalom. Right? Shalom is kind of a fun word to say. Um, it's actually a Hebrew word. It's a Hebrew notion of peace. We hear a lot about in the Old Testament. And this word shalom is really the biblical word for peace. In fact, in Israel, um, fact check me on this. I think they still say it today if you go to Israel. It's kind of the common greeting of the way to say hello or, or goodbye. They could even say shalom alakim, which is actually the means to, for, for peace to be upon you. So I don't know. I wanted to encourage us to have a little fun today. If you're watching this the rest of the day, um, why not just go around, see your, see your mom, you see your dad. You see your kids, you see your spouse, just get it, greet them with a gentle shalom. And just kind of see what kind of peace radiates in your home the rest of the day from it. But shalom, um, what's so fascinating about shalom, this is the biblical definition of peace, right? The earthly version of peace that we know, right? When we say peace, here's what we really mean. We're saying peace as a way to, say, to talk about avoidance, 
right? It, we know peace as the avoidance of war. We know peace as the avoidance of tension. Peace as the avoidance of just conflict of any kind in our life. But shalom peace is this. To be whole, to be healthy, to be complete. This is the biblical notion of peace, of shalom. I mean, the way, one way they can kind of describe it um, would be like a granite slab of like a stone or something that is just like a perfect granite slab of stone that has no cracks, you know, no indents, just this perfect, whole, complete shalom. They would also kind of describe it as like a wall. Imagine a wall that's built that has no gaps, no missing pieces. It's complete, it lacks nothing, it's shalom. Right? This is the biblical definition of peace, that it's complete, it's whole, it lacks nothing, it's shalom, it's peace. And when we can begin to start understanding every time we hear the word peace talked about in the Bible, that it's this kind of just completion of wholeness, it starts to make a lot more sense. Right? When, when the Apostle Paul, when he talks about Jesus, he says, Jesus himself is our peace. He is our shalom. He is the complete human that we lack. This is why Jesus says this. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace, my shalom, my completion I give you. Listen, I do not give it to you as the world gives. It's not the, it's not the worldly kind of peace. This is my peace, my completion that I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, seeking God's wisdom will bring you this kind of shalom. It will bring you this kind of fulfillment to your life. And I really think some of us need to hear this today. Because some of us might be hearing this and being like, man, my life does not feel like shalom. It does not feel complete. It does not feel very whole. And maybe you're watching this right now and you're feeling like life has got you down. You just can't catch a break. Listen, is anyone, we're all feeling pretty tired right now for all the reasons that are out there. And maybe on top of that right now, you're like, my life is not shalom. In fact, my life feels very broken. I don't know, maybe at this point you're going, man, my marriage at this point just feels completely broken. Man, I'm losing all hope. Maybe you're even losing the hope to live because you're looking at your future and you're going, man, my future just feels broken. You know, I want to I kind of help put this into perspective for us, and I want to share this with you. Um, let me know, if this, has this ever happened to anyone? Um, let's say you're, you're, you're trying to go somewhere, and of course, whenever you're in a hurry to, like, leave somewhere, you can never find your keys or your wallet. You know what I'm talking about? It's always that when you have to be in a hurry, and every minute that passes by, you get a little more frantic trying to look all over for it, um, and you just can't seem to find it. And for me, whenever I seem to lose my keys or my wallet or something like that, um, I always blame my wife because I would never lose something like that. Had to have been her that moved it, which is never true. But if you're a mom in here or you're like a wife and maybe say your kids or your husband or something says that um, blame, falsely accuses you of misplacing something, usually where's the first place you tell them to check for their phone or something like that? Say it. The last place you left it, and the worst, the worst thing that happens when they tell you to check the last place you left it, it ends up being right in your pocket. It's like, mm. I know for me, I always tend to do this. Um, my wife kind of teases me sometimes. I'm like, sunglasses are actually perfectly placed on my forehead like this. Um, and so I often sometimes just put them right here on my forehead. And if they stay on there too long, I end up forgetting about it for a while. And I'll be looking like, where are my sunglasses? And when I finally realize, like, oh, my gosh, they were on my forehead the whole time. First of all, it's kind of embarrassing. But it's the whole kind of, like, irony of frantically looking for something that was right with you the whole time, something that was available to you the whole time. And, look, I share that with you today. Because some of us are feeling like our life is broken. We're feeling like our life is missing this shalom, this completion, this fulfillment, this peace. And Jesus is going, I am right with you the whole time. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. He says, I've told you these things. He says this in John so that in me you may have peace. You may have my shalom. He says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, my shalom, my completion, my fulfillment, I give you. Listen, you need to remember today that God has chosen you. It's like, how do I know God's chosen me? What if I'm not chosen? Simply, have you accepted to make Jesus Lord of your life? And you're chosen. Are you ready today to make Jesus the Lord of your life? Listen, it's not an accident if you're here. It's not an accident if you're watching this. God ordains everything in your life, and he has brought you to this moment. You are going to have a chance today to make that decision. Because if indeed you are chosen, then that means that God has not left you. In fact, the battles that you are going through are not a sign that God has left you. In fact, that's a sign that God has chosen you. Remember, we learned earlier in James, God that says the battles and the tribulations that we go through. God says, James says that God uses that as an opportunity to grow your faith. And why does God want your faith to grow? Because the plans he has for you are bigger than where you're at right now. Listen, if you're feeling like you're under attack, if you're feeling like you're, you're being attacked by the enemy, that is because God has big plans for you. Listen, the enemy wants what God has. And if you're feeling like you're going through it, that is because Satan is scared of what God is trying to do through you. He may be scared of where God is trying to take you. Listen, your struggles and your problems are not a sign that God has left you. It's not a sign that God has forgotten about you. That is a sign that God has chosen you. Listen, here, here's the message today. It's really simple all of us is to seek God's wisdom. Seek God's wisdom. How do you do that, you ask? You ready for this? This is for the only intelligent, the smartest people in the world. I'm joking. Listen to how easy this is. Listen to how simple this is. James 1.5, we read, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask. You should ask God who gives it generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Remember, God approached Solomon. He said, ask me whatever you want, and I'm going to give it to you. Solomon said, God, I asked for wisdom, and God gave it to him. And if you read, he actually gave him so much more than that. Listen, seek God's wisdom. God is so eager to bless you with this wisdom. And what do we learn today? When you receive God's wisdom, it's not meant ultimately just to benefit you. When you receive God's wisdom, it is going to help you be a blessing to everyone who's around you. I want to read this verse to us one more time, and I really want you to think about these words. But the wisdom from above is first pure. It's peaceable. Are you a peaceable person? Do you make peace with the people who are around you? It's gentle. I mean, do people say that you're gentle? It's reasonable. People say you're reasonable. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to be there for people? It's full of mercy. Do you have empathy for those who are around you? It's full of good fruits. Good fruits come from the heart. It's unwavering without hypocrisy. Listen, ask for God's wisdom. and That is where your heart will go. In every decision, in everything you do, seek God's wisdom. And he, Jesus will give you his shalom. He will give you his fulfillment. He will give you his restoration. He will give you his peace. Seek God's wisdom. If you will, uh, pray with me. Lord, you are really the only one who truly knows exactly what we are going through. And it's hard. And you know it's hard. 
that when we go through this, God, and maybe some of us have been praying to you, we've been crying out to you for a long time, going, God, can't you just take this away? God, can't you make this problem just stop? Or can't you just fix my life? Why are you letting me go through this? God, I hope today you can remind us and encourage us, Lord, that this struggle, this hardship is not a sign that you have left us, but it's a sign that you've chosen us. I pray today, Lord, the most important thing I, I ask, God, is that we remember to ask you for wisdom. Every day, Lord, let us wake up and ask for your wisdom. And in doing so, God, I pray that changes our heart. Allow us to see things from your wisdom. Allow us to love people with your wisdom. Lord, let us have your shalom. If there's anyone here who's watching this, and like I said, if you're ready to make that decision, God has brought you here for a reason. You are ready to be chosen. You are ready to step into the fulfillment and the shalom that God is ready to bring to your life. I want to have you uh, pray this prayer with me. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. God, I trust and I believe in your resurrection. I believe that you were raised on the third day. God, I commit my heart and my life to follow you. Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you keep us encouraged. You remind us that the hardships we're going through, Lord, you're right there with us. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, if you made that decision today, look, there are parties in heaven. There is, there is nothing you could do to run away from God's love. The rest of your life is not to earn God's love because you can't earn it. It's a response to that love. Can't wait to see some of you guys next Sunday, whether you're checking in with us on live stream or whether you're checking us here in person. Um, just know we love you guys. We're here for you guys, and we will see you uh, next Sunday.